Hi, this is Daniel James, and this is the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R each Tuesday evening. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. A report released last week has found that up to 22 sacred sites um, indigenous sacred sites in, the, in an important river system in the Northern Territory face irreversible cultural and ecological damage if the MacArthur River mine operations continue unabated. The report entitled Monitoring the Monitor, a temporal synthesis of the MacArthur River Mine Independent Monitor, reports, highlights the potential devastation that will be wreaked on these sacred lands and waterways if the mining continues. One of the report's authors is Fiona Johnson. Fiona is a University of New South Wales Engineering Associate Professor, and I'm very grateful to have her on the line now. Fiona, welcome to Triple R. Hi, Daniel. How are you? Very good, thank you. Um, Please uh, tell us about the MacArthur River Mine. Tell us what they're mining and what impact it is having on the, the land and waterways up there? Yeah, so the MacArthur Mine's been in operation for, for 40 odd years now, and they're primarily mining um, lead and zinc. Um, but in the, well, about 15 years ago now, they um, changed the mine from being underground to being open cut. Um, and so since then, there's sort of been a, a number of environmental assessment processes to try to. You know, continue to mine whilst you know, minimising the impact on the surrounding environment and the surrounding communities. Um, and as part of those environmental assessments, uh, an independent monitor has been um, appointed who reports each year on, on how the mine's going on on, on, on that process of minimising impacts. And so what we've done is had a look at those publicly available independent monitor reports um, over the last, uh, since 2008, um, and sort of put together a picture of, of some of the issues around water and the mine. Um, and it makes for pretty depressing reading, really. So mm. um, um, the, the mine, um, there's, there's been a number of issues, I guess. The, big, the biggest one that, that many people would know about um, is that the when you pull you know, rock out of the ground, obviously you take some of the ore, but then there's waste rock left over. Mm. And now the, originally this was assumed that this rock was benign, that it was, it was quite, you know, just normal rock. And so it was stored in a, in a big pile. They realised later on that, that this assumption was, was quite flawed and that it was potentially acid-forming rock. And so this led to the, the pile combusting and there was, there's been smoke and, you know, the, the big pile of rock has been burning... Um, and, and this assumption about the potentially acid-forming um, rock has been, um, you know, was questioned very early on by the independent monitor. And over time, the amount of, independ- of, of this sort of non-benign rock has just been characterised as increasing and increasing. And so that's had a number of impacts sort of, you know, I guess around the mine and, and brought in a whole new environmental um, process where they've had to, you know, you, if you... If, as the mine should, possibly should have known beforehand that they, they had this non-benign rock, this, this acid-forming rock, you would store it much differently than you would from normal rock because you want to prevent it getting access to water and you want to prevent it getting access to air. Um, and so you have to store it so, undercover, essentially. And so that wasn't done. And so now the mine has had a new environmental assessment to, to try to do that. Right. So we, we know assumption you know, makes a fool of 
many of us, and it seems to have <laughs> made um, not only a fool of some people here, but you know the, the ramifications are potentially um, terrible. Tell us what is at risk if the issues around these mines aren't addressed. Well, I mean, you know, I guess if we don't, as as the many infrastructure projects, we we want to manage and uh, the risks properly, and we want to design, you know, um, these these storage piles or the dam that we keep the the water our waste from the, the tailings from the dam uh, from the mine. You know, we need to design them properly according to the properties of what we're storing. And so, if we don't do that, then we we risk making you know the the risk of. Um, downstream impacts on, on the river and downstream communities. So the tailing storage facility where, where they keep the mix of the water and the, the waste rock really um, is is leaking into Surprise Creek, um, mm. which then joins the MacArthur River. And, you know, so it's changed the way that Surprise Creek flows. It used to just flow for part of the year and now it flows for the whole year. And, and it we think that there's a risk that that water that's seeping into the creek could carry a lot of metals um, and that those risks haven't been properly um, acknowledged by the mines operators. Right, and it's having, a, it's having an impact on things like the freshwater sawfish as well by leaking into um, a particular watering hole up there. It could. So there's a, there's a very um, important um, sacred site, the uh, Jim... Jiramini Jiramini, um, waterhole, which is also thought to be, um, yeah, a a breeding ground for the um, the um, sawfish. Um, And so, you know, the Jiramini mini um, waterhole was uh, mentioned in, in the environmental assessment process, but we don't think there's enough data being collected about how it has behaved, you know, over time to be able to assess whether there's any impacts or not. Or not. So when the mine uh, pulls the rock out of the ground, it has to, you know, to, to do that process, you have to draw down the water so that you can sort of, you know, dig out the, the rock that you, you're interested in as the mine. And so that drawdown of the water has effects outside of the mine's boundary. You can't just sort of mm. stop that process. And so... It's really not clear to us that you can assess whether there's going to be any impacts on Union and other sacred sites at the moment because just not enough data has been collected before the mine you know, started doing this and then, or even now, and so we think there's a lot more work has to be done. And so what you're calling for is uh, an independent monitoring process to be conducted ASAP to, to make sure that um, some of the some of the, the, the concerns and worries that you uh, and your fellow authors and, and, and traditional owners up there have around the mine um, aren't actually happening or are happening and need to be um, addressed. Yeah, I mean, I guess we the independent monitor could be a great idea, you know, having this other body checking that the mine's doing what it said it would do. But it just doesn't have enough teeth. You know, there's there's over 100 outstanding um, recommendations in the independent monitor that the mines operators have either only partially implemented or not implemented at all. And we just think that the Northern Territory government needs to do a lot more to ensure that issues that are raised by the independent monitor are addressed in a really timely manner that we don't have 12 years since, you know, the, the acid-forming rock was originally identified until it was approved at the end of last year and that you know that those delays are just that's just more impact on the environment um and we think the independent monitor should have access to more data at the moment they can only really report on the data that the mine gives them and and we don't think that the mine's giving them 
enough information to really be able to, in some cases, assess impact. What sort, what sort of noises is the Northern Territory government actually making about this? Are, are they making any considered efforts to, to remedy the, the concerns or, or are they just well, sitting I mean, on their hands? Well, the Northern Territory government approved the environmental impact statement from, from the mine at the end of last year against the advice of its own um, Aboriginal Areas Protection Authority. So, right. um, I mean, uh, we, we co-wrote our report from the UNSW Global Water Institute with the Environment Centre of the Northern Territory and, and, and we're really calling for, you know, sort of an inquiry, I guess, into into the mine and the way that the government has has you know, approached its regulation because we just see that the regulatory process is really failing the environment and the downstream community, primarily of Boralula, but, you know, the, the traditional owners of, of, that, of the lands where the mine is located. And you say that in the report that there are up to 22 sacred sites uh, in harm's way as a result of this dam. Um, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, th- those sites and, and what they mean to, to the local mob up there? Oh, look, I mean, I guess I can't speak for, for what they mean to, to local people, but um, in that 11 of these sites have been registered with the Aboriginal Areas Protection Authority, and that means that, you know, if the mine needs to do work that will affect them, they should be... They need a certificate from ARPA to, to, um, to do that, and, and ARPA hasn't, hasn't given them those certificates. There's, and then there's another 11 sites that are known to be in the area that are not formally registered with the Aboriginal Areas Protection Authority. So, I mean... and. And other than Jim and Minnie, the, they they just haven't been the impacts on those really hasn't been considered. And so some of them are, you know, uh, sacred trees or you know there's a, there's a ridge line quite close to the mine that once if this um, new uh, uh, sort of pile of rock and it's called an overburden emplacement facility um, is built will will completely overshadow this sort of important ridge line. And so you know we're talking about you know visual amenity and and just you know the whole character of the place being changed which i imagine for the, for the local you know um traditional owners would would severely impact on 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 these sacred sites so um and we just don't think you know the the the, the way that these are being communicated to the traditional owners and the residents and of, of Baralula is is good enough at this stage. I think a lot more could be done to to help people understand what the true impacts are, so that the the, the community consultation part can 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 be a true consultation, not just a here's what we're going to do. Sort it of just process, which often it, it is. It just sounds like you know a, a record on repeat. You know we, um, we we know what happened in the Dukon Caves in in, in the Pilbara yeah. in Western Australia. We know that there was an outcry from that. We knew, we know that it cost the CEO of Rio Tinto his job, um, mm. and so. You know, the only way to to address these issues and to work with uh, traditional owners up there is to to shine a spotlight on on what's happening. Exactly, and so I mean, I guess that's what we're hoping that our report um, can help do is just to bring this, you know, to, to people's attention. You know, both in the Northern Territory and more, you know, more across Australia. I mean, these things shouldn't happen in, in you know we, we know better as you know as engineers and my fellow engineers you know working in these sorts of projects and I mean you know I think for us one of the frustrating things is the independent monitoring reports for the last two years still haven't been released so we're you know there's this process and it's still not even being followed so you know 
there has to be more pressure on the Northern Territory government um, and, and obviously local traditional owners and, and elders of, in, in Borrelula have, you know, have continued to press pressure on the government and on, on Glencore. But, you know, I guess the more the more voices they can get behind that, then, then you know, hopefully we'll, we'll see some changes. But um, that's really why we, we've done the work that we've done. So, so I guess in terms of, um, uh, before I let you go, Fiona, I guess what we need to do is is put the Northern Territory government in the gun over this but we also need to put the Northern Territory's mining regulator in the gun because they have a quite a track record of I guess not showing much regulation as a regulator regulator yeah I, I think that that's really what we've concluded from from reviewing this process over you know the last sort of 12 13 years that that the regulator part of the, the government really just can't. There, there's just not enough, follow, you know, timely following of up of recommendations and processes, and and it, it it really it's such a waste of the independent monitor process, which which could be helpful. So. Mm, mm. Okay, well, if you want to find the report and, and read up yourself and, and find out more information about what's going on in that beautiful part of the world, I guess the easiest way, Fiona, is to go to the globalwaterinstitute.unsw.edu.au and that's where you'll find that, it. That's us. It's under our um, water security and government projects where we you know, we, do, we do a lot of work with, with the GWI around you know, um, you know, water security in, in lots of different contexts, and this this is one of them, I guess, where we're thinking about how yeah how we can improve the processes to, to get better outcomes. Okay, well, let me just read that uh, address again. It's globalwaterinstitute.unsw.edu.au. Find out more, empower yourself, and trying to reach out to uh, people out there and trying to hold governments and regulators accountable for uh, what they are doing on the land of traditional owners and um, Aboriginal land more broadly. But um, thank you yeah. for your work, Fiona. Very much appreciate it. And thank you for coming oh. on early. I, I, um, I really appreciate <laughs> that too. No worries. It was great to speak to you, Daniel, and, and your listeners. And uh, I hope we can you know, see some, some better you know, better news if we speak again. <laughs> Absolutely. Stay in touch. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Daniel. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R every Tuesday evening. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. <laughs>